It is so good to be home. I hope you haven't forgotten. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about what I think is perhaps the most important thing we have for this time of the year. And that's an understanding of who we are and, and, and a belief in a, a, a contentment of who we are. Taught last couple weeks ago in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. Paul said to us something that you need to know and never forget. We need to remember that being content is something we have to, what? Well, learn. Learn. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul said to us, not that I speak from want, he said. He says, because I have learned to be content. I, I can't impress upon you enough that contentment is a learned situation within your life and in my life. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. He says, I know how to get along with humble means, but he says, I also know how to live in prosperity. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret, he said, of being filled and also going hungry, of having abundance and also suffering need. And what did he learn? Well, verse 13, remember? He says, I can do, I can handle all things through Christ who will strengthen me. And so as we go into this time of the year, it is a time where, where there's, there's much sadness. As, as I just prayed a moment ago for, for, for the, her daughter who has passed away. It's a tough time of the year. It's, it's tough for those of us who have loved ones. When I was studying this week, and I, when I study now, I listen to what is, I think it's called Pandora on the, on the computer. And it plays music, whatever you program. And I, I wanted to hear Christmas songs. So I programmed in Christmas songs. And lo and behold, they started playing all these Christmas songs. And they were just down my alley. Old ones. Old, old songs, you know, back in the 50s and the 60s. And when I was a kid, I got really nostalgic. I called my sister reminisced about mom and dad. And now, see, I shouldn't have started this. I just reminisced about them, and what a great time we had. Contentment. This time of the year especially, we, we can get kind of nostalgic and, and be sad if we're not careful. We need to know that we can do all things through Jesus Christ who, who strengthens us. So there's a theme of contentment that, that runs through the, the scriptures. It, it goes from our Lord when he gave the Sermon on the Mount and he, it goes through Paul to Timothy and the church at Ephesus to us. Read with me in First Timothy, please. Read with me verses 6 through 10. I know we covered it, but we're going to see it from a different angle this week. Verse 6, Paul says godliness actually is a means of great gain when, when it is accompanied by contentment. He says we have brought nothing into this world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these things we shall be content. And then he kind of takes this right turn and he says in verses 9 and 10, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare 
and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And this is just burdensome to me. And some longing for for this, this money, this love of it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. He says in verse 11, flee from these things. Next week we will study that, but today has enough for us to learn on its own about contentment. Let's pray again, please, shortly. Just a short prayer and then we'll get into the message. Father, I know I already asked that you would bless your word. I know I already did that. Father, forgive me. I forget sometimes, but I know it's not so bad of an idea that we come to you often that you would bless us and teach us. Father, please take everything out of my hands, if you would. We, we, we would rather entrust this time to you. Uh, teach each one of us in your own pure way. Speak to each one of us in that quietness in our hearts, if, so that we sense that you are moving us towards understanding contentment. And, and Father, may we be a blessing to you this time of the year, We celebrate the birth of your son. We're excited about this. We love him so much, Father. We thank you so much for uh, for giving us your son so that um, by nothing on ourselves we can have eternal life with you. Amazing, Father. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now please move me aside and bless this time. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want you to note something about verse 6. I want you to note that yours and, and my finding contentment within our lives, Paul says that we must understand contentment because it trumps godliness and great gain. Look at verse 6 again and, and read it closely. Godliness, Paul writes, actually is a means of great gain when... When, he says, when it is accompanied by contentment. And so you can see that contentment is a major issue in our lives. Godliness and great gain comes alongside of or when it is accompanied with contentment. And so learning the secrets of contentment is critical in your life and mine. Now, I want us to note something here. For whatever reason, and I don't know why, I tried to find out why, none of the commentaries will say, but for whatever reason, in verses 9 and 10, Paul brings into the conversation of contentment money. And here's my thought on it, but it's only my thought. Perhaps, just perhaps, most people believe that money would be the answer to all of our problems. And Paul is warning us, be careful with that thought. Because he says in verses 7 and 8, watch, and this fits into everything. He says, when we came into this world, verse 7, we brought nothing. And when we leave this earth, we will take nothing. Therefore, he says in verse 8, if we have food and if we have covering, with this we should be content. Now, this goes right down with what was the greatest message ever preached in the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard of it, of course. Look with me, hold your place here, and look with me at Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. 
while you're turning there, I want to remind you of what I said a couple weeks ago um, of a man who was one of the most, in fact, not one of, was the most righteous man on the earth at that time. It was a guy named Job. And Satan took away from Job almost everything. And Job exclaimed, when all of this happened to him, and in the book of Job, the first chapter, the 21st verse, Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. Just what, what Paul is saying here. We brought nothing into this world. We're not going to take anything out of it either. And so Job said, naked I came, naked I'll return. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job understood contentment. He understood. He had learned a great lesson in his life. When and how, we don't know. But he has it. Now Jesus teaches about the theme in this, this part. of We're going to read from verse 25 to verse 34. The theme you'll see weaving its way through is don't be worried. Watch how many times Jesus Christ tells the people who were listening to him on that sermon that you and I now can read today, don't be worried. Watch. Verse 25. For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor for your body is what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food? Is the body not more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to our Lord's words. Are you not worth much more than they? Of course we are. So why worry? He says in verse 27, Who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? And who, verse 28, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. And yet, he says, I say to you, that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. And then one of the key verses in verse 30, he says, If God so clothed the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow will be thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So he says in verse 31, Don't worry. Don't worry saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will we wear for clothing? The Gentiles, that's the unbelievers. The unbelievers eagerly seek these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Rather, Jesus says, and this is really the crux of what he was preaching, rather he says what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you and me. So he says in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I can only say amen to that. You see, Jesus and Paul are saying that worry is a direct opposite of contentment. But what we are learning is also, Paul is teaching us back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul is teaching us that money, like worry... In other words, verses 9 and 10, the want for riches, the love of money, that's the antithesis of contentment. Striving after money, striving after riches, well, Paul says, will bring about a lot of problems. Look at verse 9. It'll bring about temptations. 
It'll bring about snares, foolish and harmful desires, which also can plunge us into ruin and destruction, Paul writes. Not only that, he says, but it'll also bring about in verse 10 this love of money, all sorts of evil. And what I think is the worst of all of it, where people wander away from our faith, which causes many a pain. You see, our Lord and and Paul are, are trying to teach us about contentment, saying that material things should only be seen in their true light. Let me, let me say right up front, and I'm going to say again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with those who are wealthy. In fact, God bless you. It's a wonderful thing. And it's, it's, it's good to be wealthy. It's not a bad thing. It's what you want to do with it. That's the issue. But please don't feel, oh, maybe I should sell my cars and my homes. And No, no. Enjoy your wealth, but make sure, well, let us teach what what we ought to do with our wealth. Now watch this. Material possessions should only be seen in their true light. And that is in respect to eternal matters. That's why Paul writes, when you came into this earth, you brought nothing. And when you go back to where you came from, you will take nothing. And so he is saying... We are to care for what we have here and now, but we, we need to be content with where we are. Listen, this is a, a liberating truth if you and I can catch it concerning what it means to really be content. You need to look at our lives in respect to our inevitable, our inevitable death. We are all going to die. What is your purpose here? Why are we alive? Why are you and me drawing breath today? Let me tell you a little scenario of what happened this week with me. It's, it's a little bit about why do I live? Why do I live? I'm, I'm, I'm minding my own business, studying in my, my office, and, and bing, bing, something, something happens, and I'm get, I got a message. One of my buddies from high school sends messages to, I don't know, I don't want to exaggerate. I, I looked at his list of people he sends these things to, sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Where does he find the time? And, and where does he find all these things he sends? Usually I delete them. I don't look at any. I, I want you to know that. You send me these little little uh, sayings and tough stuff. Now, for some of you, I don't want you to stop. I don't want to discourage you. Some of you really make me laugh and I enjoy. But some, just, where do people find the time to do this? So, okay, he's a great friend. I read it. It's about this woman. who She writes about, you give a smile and you get a smile back. It's a good thing. Yeah, I could say it's not. A, that's a good thing. Yes, she said she was teaching her child something and was in a. They bought. They saw a homeless person came in. You could tell it was homeless. Said because there was a stench. Okay, all right. Bought him something. And she was really went on about this. How good this was and how she taught her child a lesson. And she said, "I am a believer, but I don't go to church." Okay, I got really angry. I really got angry at that note. That, that line killed it for me. I didn't like it in the first place, but that set me off. And so I put, I put returned all. Ah, why not? Yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something too. They wrote me, I'll write them. <laughs> so I wrote down, I said, you know, that's what's wrong. Basically, I wrote something like this. That's what's wrong with the United, this world we live today. 
People don't even understand what it means to be a believer. They think that they can be a believer and not go to church. And then I hit caps and I went, that is absurd. <laughs> you know, what is, that? What is those uh, exclamation point? Deek, deek, deek. <laughs> then I wrote, then I went, new paragraph, and I said, I pray you have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> I did, I did. I pray you all have a nice Christmas and that God will bless you and that you will celebrate you will celebrate the birth of our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you will celebrate him by going to church, going to church this week. I got a letter back today. I, I, the, only one that's, the only one I got back, it was a guy. He said, I didn't read it closely because I was preparing to come here. He's on his, he was in, a, I think, He's in somewhere in Africa, it sounded like. And he said, I thought I was the only believer that received this stuff from him. He says, praise God for you. Are you the John Werhaus that went to San Pedro High School? Because I didn't sign my name. I didn't have enough courage to sign my name to that. I, I'm brave. I'm not that brave, you know. He says, I, and I'm, I can't wait to write him back, and I can't wait to have this uh, conversation with him because he sounds like he's doing some amazing work in, in, in some place, you know. Why am I alive? I'll tell you why I'm alive. I'm alive to do things like that. I'm not alive just to be a wimp and, and let, let people walk all over our Savior or walk all over churches and not really understand why do we gather together. There's a purpose that you and I gather together. Our Lord has asked us to do that. He says, don't forsake this. Why do we live? See, we live... Because you and I hopefully know that we can be content because this is not our home. It's not. We have a far greater home that one day we will be able to celebrate with one another in heaven itself. But look at the consequences of, of seeking riches that, that can be extremely foolish if we, if we don't understand that this is not our home. The consequences of verse 9 is ruined and destruction. It shows the futility of the pursuit of wealth for the wrong reasons. Look, at, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I've said it over and over again. I, 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 I want you to draw the distinction from, from how God has blessed you, those of you that have money, to those who are just so, it's, it's everything to seek it. Because there's nothing wrong with money, nothing at all. It's the desire to obtain it at all costs that can lead to evil, we have learned in verses 9 and 10. Listen, I, I, let me get personal for a moment. I've always found that what I do with, quote-unquote, and I, I put this in quotes, my money, because it's not. My wife taught me a good lesson when I became a believer long ago. She taught me about how to give unto the Lord. And my wife, if we, if we don't nail it down, it will sooner or later be given away. And she's taught me a great lesson about giving. And so I wrote down here, what I do with, quote, my money, because I've learned a long time ago, as I've tried to teach you, there's a cycle of giving that God has told us in the Old Testament that he blesses you and me with something, whether it is great or whether it is, in the world's eyes, not so great. He has given it to us, and we hold that in our hands. We place that in our hearts, and we take it for what it is, and then we give it back to him. And that's the cycle of giving. And I've always found that, that what I do with, quote, unquote, my money, which is really truly the Lord's, is a direct sign of where my heart is. 
Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, where your treasure is, there will be what? Your heart. Be careful. Be careful where you store up your treasures. In fact, we are going to learn in two weeks, not, not next week, but the week later. Look at, look at 1 Timothy. Look at verse 17. We are to instruct those who are rich. Look what it says. Instruct. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. In other words, we're all going to be abundantly wealthy in heaven itself. But instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, nor to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Then where are we to fix our hope? Well, it says, of course, we are to fix our hope on God, who will richly supply us with all things to enjoy You see, our Lord states something very clear in Scripture. Again, the Sermon on the Mount. He says that a true child of God should make sure that they are supporting the work of God first and foremost in our lives. And that is within our church. He warns in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't, 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 don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and will destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Rather, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys or where thieves cannot break in and steal. And that's when he adds the next verse, where your treasure is, there will be your heart. You see, true godliness will produce true contentment. And true contentment will produce spiritual riches. Riches that are stored up for you and me in heaven itself, where no one can steal our rewards, our joys, our blessings. Let me ask you a question. I want to I close with uh, the book of Psalms. Psalm 63. Would you please turn there? You can close off First uh, Timothy right now. We'll, we'll be back next week. Just... Just hold your place and listen for a moment. Psalm 63. I want to ask you a question. When do you think you'll know when you're rich enough? I've, Kay and I have had the privilege of hanging around with a lot of wealthy people. Our, our, our ministry with the athletes had us rub elbows with some of the most amazing people. I mean, we were on first-name basis with... Uh, Rich Voss, I think his name was. It's been so long since I've seen him, but he's the guy that started uh, Amway in his garage, and he's a multi-billionaire. It's not a million. He's got billions of dollars. <laughs> he's one of the nicest gentlemen you ever want to meet. Yeah, you can ask him. Uh, you can ask him. Um, you made enough money, and more than likely he says, no, still, still going. One day we were asked, Kay and I, to go to dinner with the Lasordas, whom we, we absolutely adore. And uh, they said, we're going to go out to get a bite to eat. So, great. We, we, we went to them, met them at their home, get in this big limousine. We're in this big limousine, and we're driving towards Los Angeles, and then we go up towards, remember this? You probably won't. Uh, you'll remember when I tell you. But um, we start driving up into Beverly Hills, and we go into this, this, this woman who's a singer. Remember, a great singer going to their home. They have so many knives and forks on the table where we're going to eat. I have no idea where to start. <laughs> no idea. They had servants. I mean, plural. Not one person servants. They had servants waiting on us on this table in this home. This, this woman is this, this famous singer who married a very wealthy man. And 
we, 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 we took a look at all of that and, 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 and at that time wondered, is, is this really all that there is? I would have loved to have asked her, have you made enough? I mean, have you made enough? Oprah Winfrey, she's, made, she's worth $2.7 billion and she now is going to start her own network. I mean, I mean, why don't you relax a little bit, Ope? <laughs> I don't know, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> what do I do? But there's always more for people who have money. When do you know then you're rich enough? I'll, I'll give you the answer. I know the answer. I know it. I got it. It's when you are content with what you have. You see, the richest person on the face of this earth is a person who doesn't need anything else to find their joy because their joy is in the Lord. Don't fix, don't fix your heart on this present day riches because it is only temporary. I want you to listen to the heart of, uh, of King David. King David said these words, and I wrote down afterwards, When has it been, if ever, that this has been your thought, my thought? Catch the intensity of King David's heart and see why God called him a man after my heart. I pray, I pray that this will be our thoughts this Christmas season and the coming years that the Lord gives us on this earth. He says in verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. He says, My soul thirsts for you and my flesh yearns for you just as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. He says, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen your power and I've seen your glory. When is it the last time you and I have seen that? Last week, you should have, I don't know what you should have. That's not my fear of me to say. At home, in my office, listening to Rob preach, I was on my knees. Thanking the Lord for his kindness. When's the last time that you and I have come here in anticipation of church? Come here so early that we, we flood the place so that we can sing along with this beautiful, beautiful worship team that, that God has put together for us here at this church. David says, I've seen you in the sanctuary, Lord. I've seen your power. I've seen your glory. Now listen to verses 3 and 4. He says, your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. Now you know why I wrote that letter back? I had just got through studying Psalm 63. Nobody was going to tell me that they can be a believer and not go to church. Well, no, they can say that all they want, but I don't want them telling that to my friends. I don't want my friends to believe that you can be a believer and just ho-hum your way through life. I want them to be like you. I want them to be like you and you and you and you and you. I want them to be like me. I want them to love the Lord so much that they can't wait for next Sunday. 
Can't wait to come to church and see God's power and see his glory at work within our lives and understand and know a contentment that goes beyond anything that this world could ever offer you. Regardless of how much money or how little money you or I have, we can learn to be content because it is our God who will strengthen us. We can handle all of it, Father, because of your Son who will strengthen us. That's a learned contentment. In heaven above, Father, bless us. In heaven above, Father, let this week, as we move into the celebration of the birth of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, this baby that was born in a manger, who has given us life. Oh, Father, may we celebrate this time. May we know the contentment and the joy that comes from being a believer that understands that we need to learn, learn contentment. Learn the secret that we truly can handle all things through Christ who strengthens us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you more than life itself. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week. It'll be a Christmas message, so come, you know, wear jingle bells and all that. (laughs) Bye-bye.